Okay, here we go. An anatomy of influence. Um, all of my life, since I was a teenager, I've been trying to influence other people in a positive way to live for the Lord. Haven't always succeeded, but I've been trying. Now, some people won't be influenced for good no matter what we do. Uh, the rich young ruler went away sorrowful. Uh, Judas, what an influence he had walking around with Jesus, but some people won't be influenced. The Sanhedrin that listened to Stephen's great sermon, they gnashed on him with their teeth and stoned him to death. Can't do anything about that. They resisted the Holy Spirit. Their hearts were hard. Felix, go away. I'll find a more convenient time. Some people just can't be influenced, no matter how hard you try. And we really do try sometimes with blood, sweat, and tears. And we fail. But some people can't be influenced. Agrippa, Paul tried. King Agrippa, you believe the prophets? I know that you do. Do you think with such little persuasion you could make me into a Christian? Paul said, oh, I really wish to God that not only you, but everybody listening to me would become what I am, a Christian, except these bonds. Diotrephes was a man who loved power and he loved to have the preeminence. And no matter what the disciples of John the Apostle did, he could not be influenced. The people of Nazareth, when Jesus went to them, they tried to throw him off a cliff. They just couldn't be influenced even by the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it frustrating when you want so badly to have a good influence on someone and to lead them closer to the Lord and it seems like you beat your head against a wall. I know that you are like me and you desperately want to influence the people in your family. I know that you want to influence your children, whether they're little or whether they're grown. It doesn't make any difference. I know that if you're like me, you want to influence your grandchildren. You think about the souls of your grandchildren. I know you're the same as I am in that. I want to influence my friends. I want to influence unknown people that I haven't even met yet. And I know you do too. Brother John Panisi's had a great influence on me as I know he has on you. John had 40 people in his class in Sorocaba this last week. He's still trying to influence people for the Lord. He wants to influence people. But the question before us tonight as we look at a few scriptures, how do we go about having the right spiritual influence on people in our lives? I've messed it up a bunch in my life and been successful some in my life. But how do we really go about this? Well, first of all, we should have an intellectual influence on people who will listen to the gospel of Christ. In Acts 17, verse 4, verse 11 and 12, it's clear that the hearing and understanding of the gospel is an intellectual process. It involves persuading people uh, to do some things and they have to be convicted in order to be persuaded. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11, Paul said, Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. Now Agrippa, 
He said, you can't persuade me that easier. He wasn't easily persuaded. Some people refused to be persuaded. They closed their minds. In Acts 17, 4, it's some of the Jews in the synagogue at Thessalonica, it says some of them were persuaded by the gospel of Christ that Paul preached. 1 Peter 3, verse 15, Peter said that we're supposed to be ready always to give what he called an apologia. It sounds like apology. It means a reasonable explanation of the hope that is within us. That's an explanation, trying to persuade somebody that, that Christ and his death and his resurrection is really the truth about God's plan for our lives. And, and we're trying to persuade people of that. And Peter tried and Paul tried and other people tried and some people they persuaded. Other people just wouldn't be persuaded for various reasons. Satan builds up fortresses around people's minds. Some people, as we've said before, have been hurt by Christian people in the past, and that hurt is so deep that they simply will not listen to anyone that tries to tell them about the gospel. Uh, some people have been corrupted in their thinking by secular uh, teachers or other people, by atheistic teaching, by by other philosophies of the world, and they simply refuse to be persuaded. Satan builds those walls around people's minds. And our job, if we get the chance to share with people, is to break down those walls through the Word of God. Paul prayed a prayer one time in Colossians 4, verse 4. He said, pray that I might proclaim it clearly or plainly as I ought to speak. The gospel in its simplicity is not complicated. And we need to present it clearly and plainly so people can see the truth of it. But all of that's well and good. And we can say that we want to have an intellectual influence over people and get the opportunity to teach them and persuade them. But the fact of the matter is that many people will never get the chance to even talk to them unless we have a different kind of influence on them first. So most influence in our lives actually begins personally with personal relationships. I mean, do you really want to influence your friends, your children, your parents, your grandchildren, your, your co-workers? Do you really want to influence them? If the answer to that is yes, then it starts with a relationship. If we have no time for relationships, we have no time to influence people. In Luke 15, 1 and 2, Jesus ate with those publicans and sinners, and he did so for one reason. Build relationships with those people to open doors so he could teach them and convict them of the gospel of Christ. Um, what is your experience with me? That's what people are asking out there. Your, your grandchildren, your children, your parents, your friends, your co-workers. What is their experience with you? Have they experienced something with you? by being with you day in, day out, that will cause them to want to listen to what you have to say. In 1 Peter 1, verse 17, like as the one who called us is holy, we're supposed to be holy in all of our manner of living. Our conduct influences people. Jesus influenced the young John, the son of Zebedee, because of his life and influence and his love, and he put his stamp on the heart of that young man. 
Paul had a great loving influence over Timothy and Titus because he spent time with them and he loved them and he walked with them and he taught them and he had an influence on them. Uh, Barnabas had that kind of influence on Paul and on John Mark and he mentored them and put his life into them and he had an influence over them because they could tell that he, that he cared about them, see? But in the process of that influence, Timothy and Paul and, and uh, John and all these others, they saw something. They saw conduct that was different. They saw true, real holiness in the life of a person, be it Jesus or Paul or someone else. In 1 Peter 2, verse 9, you also are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a chosen nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you can show forth the excellency of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If people experience us and they rub shoulders with us and they see us and they feel us and they hear our speech and they watch us day after day and they see something real, Christ-like in us that is, that is truly genuine and not hypocritical, that's the power of influence that we have if we gain the respect of people. In 1 Peter 2, verse 11, he was talking to Christians who were in a pagan culture. They were the only Christians there, brand new in this culture around the Black Sea. I beseech you as strangers and sojourners, abstain from those fleshly lusts which war against the soul. And even though they might speak against you, see, as evildoers, have your conduct proper among the Gentiles that even though they may speak against you, they may glorify God in the day of visitation when they see your good deeds, see? So we influence people day in, day out through relationships, and those relationships open the doors for us to share the gospel. But we have to be with people. We have to put something into people. We have to contact people. We have to talk to people. We have to spend time with those people in order to have an influence in those people's life. That's the only way I know that it happens. And it happens um, naturally in those situations. If we abstain from fleshly lusts and they see over time that we truly are trying to live a holy life, they respect that. And let me say this, respect. I'm talking about genuine, heartfelt respect from one person to another. That means you're having a great influence over that person, when somebody really looks up to you, when they really respect something about you, whether it's your service or your kindness or your, your dependability or whatever that thing is that they respect. Uh, in our conduct proper means the way we deal with people commands their respect. Uh, we need to deal with people in a gentle and kind and helpful way. First Peter 3.15 that we mentioned a little bit ago be ready always to give an answer to everyone that asks you uh, a, a reason for the hope that is within you. Look at the last part of that. Yet with gentleness and respect. See, when they feel that gentleness and respect from you to them every day, and they see that you care about them as a person and respect them as a person, that opens the doors of their heart to want to listen to what you have to say because they see a character in you that is good. There have been many, many women in this world 
married to old, ungodly, hard-headed men. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, we read about some of those. It says, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior or conduct of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Men who live with genuine Christian women and see their daily conduct of kindness and service and holiness, their daily uh, forgiveness, their daily all the other things. Those men grow to respect those women for who they are, and those women have tremendous influence. He says to those women, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Folks, the gentle and quiet spirit of a genuine Christian woman has a powerful influence on all the people around that woman. There's no more powerful influence that I can think of than that kind of an influence. It comes from mothers, it comes from wives, it comes from grandmothers, it comes from good friends of other women, it comes from all of those things. So a beautiful spirit, whether we're men or women, shines through us in the things that we do, and that beautiful spirit, if we're, if we're beautiful on the inside and we're reflecting that in the way we treat other people, that shines through and it magnifies our influence on people. In Colossians chapter 4, Paul was talking about how to influence outsiders. Now, I want to influence outsiders. I want to influence insiders. I've been, I've been trying all my life to influence every single one of you. Okay? And, and others. But if we're going to influence people, this is good advice. 1 Corinthians chapter, or excuse me, Colossians chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 5. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. I think that applies to all of us. Make the most of every opportunity, every interaction, every conversation, every series of events where people are interacting. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Our words build people up or destroy people. And if the beautiful spirit comes out through our actions and our words, we will earn the right to speak to people about Jesus. Dependability is one of the ways we earn the right to speak to people about Jesus. If they realize that we do what we say we do, we show up when we say we will, we help when we say we will, that they can depend on us to be the same way all the time. That dependability engenders respect and that respect means that we've had an influence and are having an influence if people say well i can trust so and so or so and so to think of my welfare that's very very positive 
In the book of Philemon, uh, Philemon is a great example of uh, a beautiful spirit because Paul says there in the first few verses, you, brother, have refreshed the spirits of the saints. Now, there are people here who refresh the spirits of the saints everywhere they go. They encourage people. They put a kind hand on people. They help people. They lift people up. They refresh the spirits of the saints. And they're trusted to do that and do that out of a beautiful spirit. They have great influence in the lives of other people. Now, sometimes we think about this only in the, in the realm of outsiders. But I suggest to you that sincere, genuine, holy conduct will have an influence on a husband or a wife. Sincere, holy conduct uh, and, and consistency in that will have an influence on a son or a daughter. Probably more than what we say. Sincere, holy conduct and, and consistency will have an influence on grandchildren if we have an opportunity to be around them uh, enough. A beautiful spirit will influence friends. It will influence uh, co-workers. It will influence just about anyone that you can think about. Now, when we have that personal relationship with someone and we have an influence in that life, we need to realize it. We need to be able to say to ourselves, I have an influence in that person's life. That person looks at me with respect and, and looks up to me. Then the question is, what are you going to do with it? See, if you have that influence in a person's life and you've earned that by your relationships, now what are you going to do with it? So you have a responsibility to handle that relationship responsibly. And if God has opened a door for you, then you need to walk through that door. Uh, in the same passage in Colossians, if you go back to chapter 4, verse 3, Paul says, pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. I challenge everyone here tonight to pray that prayer. Lord, open a door for me to share Jesus with somebody. But the Lord will open those doors if you are being in positive influencing relationships with people. The Lord will open those doors for you to speak to those people and to have an influence on those people. Now, once we have that open door, that's when we may have the opportunity to actually present the gospel to somebody and teach them or bring them to somebody who can teach them. When we have the opportunity, if we're going to have a good influence, we need to talk about God to people in non-threatening ways. We need not be aggressive with it or too forceful with it. We need to be kind and loving. But one of the passages that informs me about this is Deuteronomy chapter 6 in the great passage called the Shema that you know as well as I do. Um, speak of these things when you sit in the house and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise up. So in the natural course of life, if you're cooking with somebody and you have a great relationship with them, tell them how much you love them and how much you want them to follow Jesus. Share a scripture with them and put your arm around them and share in a gentle way 
part of God with that person in a non-threatening way. If you're taking a walk with your children or with your grandchildren and you're looking at the beauty of nature and having a good time, take a moment during that to tell them how much you want them to serve the Lord. If you're at bedtime and you can put in a word with your child or your grandchild or somebody else, then take a moment to tell them how much you want them to serve the Lord and share a little scripture with them. When we talk to people about God and we do it in a gentle way, we need to be patient with people. In First Timothy or Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, we all preachers know this, preach the word, uh, be ready when it's good times and bad times. In season and out of season has nothing to do with when you can shoot deer and all that stuff. In season and out of season means when it's good times and it's easy and out of season is when it's a very difficult time. That's what those things mean. So when, when it's a good time or it's a very difficult time, preach the word. Reprove means explain stuff to people. Rebuke means gently correct them when they're wrong. Exhort, encourage those people to do the right thing, see? And then he says, with all long suffering and teaching. If we're going to influence people, it doesn't happen like this. It takes years of relationships with people to have a profound influence in the lives of those people. You can have a little bit of influence now, and if you keep loving them and you keep being patient with them and you keep dropping a little of that seed of the God's Word in there, have a little more influence then and a little more influence and a little more influence. I've seen it take many years of influence in the lives of people, but we've got to be patient with people. People are not all at the same place. People are all at different places. Everybody in this room is in a different place. Everybody that was down there this morning is all in a different place. And we need to take those people where they are and relate to those people and be patient with those people and gently bring them along and teach them the truth and show them what they need to do in the context of a relationship. A passage that really helps me in this is in the book of James chapter 3. And it's talking about the kind of wisdom that really provides this kind of influence in a spiritual uh, relationship. James chapter 3, verse uh, 17. The wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure. See, people have to know that we got nothing, we've got no agenda. We've got nothing up our sleeve. We're not trying to get over on them in any possible way. We're not trying to get their money. We're not trying to get sex. We're not trying to get anything that we're not supposed to be getting. We just have an open, honest, sincere agenda to help them and help them come to know the Lord Jesus. That's it. That's all. Nothing more. Nothing less. So it's got to be pure. It's got to be peace-loving. It's got to be considerate. That means considerate of them and trying to, trying to be sensitive to them. It's got to be submissive. It's got to be full of mercy and good fruit. It's got to be impartial and sincere. Those kinds of things make a person approachable. And in order to have a good influence on people, we need to be approachable. Now, if I go about like this and I'm not approachable, if I go in and I sit down and I don't talk to anybody, I'm not approachable. I'm not going to have very much influence on anybody. 
But if I allow people to talk to me, if I talk to them, if I show interest and kindness in them, then I'm going to uh, be available. And I'm not only going to be available when the doors open, I'm going to be approachable so people are not going to be afraid of me when they come and sit down and talk with me. If they're afraid of me, I can't influence them. If people are afraid of me, they will never open that door. They'll never open that heart. They have to feel safe. They have to feel comfortable. They have to feel not threatened in any way. They have to feel like it's okay for them to ask whatever's on their heart, even if some people would be ashamed to ask it. They need to be okay with asking those questions because they have no fear. But how can you create that unless you first create an environment through relationships that makes people so that they feel safe and they're not afraid and they're comfortable in talking to us. So we've got to be patient, we've got to be available, we've got to be approachable, and I think more than anything else, if we look at this long term, which I think we have to, we have to be consistent with people. If day after day we're consistent in our love, we're consistent in our faith, we're consistent in our character, we're consistent in our teaching, and we, we love them whether they listen to the gospel or not, we love them whether they do right or not, we still love them, we're still consistent, we still are patient, then people will respect us and we will influence them even when we don't realize we're influencing them. Um, I had a note today from a young lady that grew up in this congregation. I shared it with Dustin today. And um, she was in this congregation for a number of years, very tender-hearted, sweet young lady, had a hard, difficult life in a lot of ways. Um, listening to our, not podcast, but what do you call it, live stream on Sunday morning. And she's having questions from listening to the live stream elsewhere, and she's writing in those questions. But when I wrote her back, I told her how happy I was just to hear from her and happy that she asked the question. Just happy to have an influence. <clears throat> There's all kinds of people out there that you all, <coughs> excuse me, have influenced that you don't even realize you've influenced. And that's why we have to trust this to God. So, we do what we can. I think we have to influence on purpose, realizing what we're doing. But in doing our best and planting the seed, then we have to trust in God. That's when, it, when it's all said and done, our influence will have made a difference. Yes, sir. So, hope that blesses you tonight, gives you something to think about. If you're here tonight and you need to respond in any way, let's come as we stand and sing. Yeah.
Please help.